Welcome to the Float Your Boat podcast about how everyday people created their road to success. The highs, the lows, pitfalls and potholes and how they overcame it all. And now, here are your hosts. Hello and welcome back. You're Brett Paddington. I am indeed. And I'm the real McCoy, George Sabados. How are you, everyone? The real McCoy. The real McCoy. How do you say that in Greek? The really McCoy... That, that sounds sound Scottish. It does, doesn't it? It does. It's not, ah. very good. it's not very good. My Greek's atrocious, actually. Oh, uh, really? Oh, yeah. I'm not very good at it. I, I get laughed at a lot. You're only really interested in the goats, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and a bit of feta cheese. Okay, fair enough. So, George, today's guest, mm-hmm. is a, it's, a, it's going to be an interesting podcast today. I've got a question for you. Yeah. When your wife, Zoe... Mm. had the children. Yeah. Did she stop working? Yeah, of course she did. Yeah, she had to take she had to take maternity leave. And then did was it easy for her to get back into the workforce? No, no not at all. Um she had to uh, I guess engineer her way back in uh in another capacity. So her role wasn't there for her um because of course the person who took over was a younger younger model yep. who didn't, you know, fall pregnant and didn't have a family, didn't have kids, and was able to prove that she was capable in that role. So, pretty hard by that stage for some uh, for a woman to get 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 back to her original role in a company. Do you think that that's still relevant in this day and age? Oh, yeah, I thought it, it was all. Well, well, I guess in, in, in some countries like uh, Northern European countries, it's legislated that the role has to be made available, and I think it's also legislated here, but, you know... There's ways around the legislation. As, as Lena said, you know, uh, she couldn't get her, her job back. Yeah, right. Uh, and, and um, you know, there's ways and means of getting around uh, legislation. It, it's, it's, I guess, from an entrepreneur's perspective or the, the company head's perspective... The show must go on, and you're only as good as your last gig. And if someone fills a role and proves to be just as capable, if not better, it's very hard to come back. So, to, to, so today, Janine, she um, she had a, a similar situation. Yeah, she was a single mum, which is even harder. Mm. So she's a single mum. She's got a small child, mm. and she's got no work. She can't get back into her old position, so she had a she had a light bulb moment. What I would call a light bulb moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, not many people would have heard of her, um, no. and and she, but she's created a great organisation called A um, Hundred Mums, and she set that up in two thousand and twelve because she realised um, she realised that a lot of talent lay dormant simply because a huge number of highly skilled women chose to leave unreasonable work environments to save their relationship, their marriage, or or just to preserve their sanity. Mm. And and those women chose not to go back to the the role that they were in because the expectation in those work environments was that they work from morning to night, you know, be on call 24/7. Yeah. And it was impacting other areas of their life, but but all these women, all that talent that's just sitting dormant um and not actually contributing to the economy in any way, um, Janine is is um, Janine and her company um, uh, cleverly 
connect those people back with companies that sorely need that, those women's talent? I think it's a fantastic um, thing she's doing, and we need to assist her in the general community to get yeah. to get her business out there in front of everybody. Look, it's a great it's a great role. I mean, it's a great job. She's doing a great thing for the community. Um, she's doing a great thing for women who, you know, maybe have been unfairly treated. Mm. But but you know, if I was to look at, at my relationship with my wife truthfully she's a hell of a lot more skilled than i am well and she puts up with you <laughs> <laughs> she's a very patient woman that's true that's true i can be a little bit you know trying at, I, at times <laughs> i would say um mother Teresa springs to mind for me george <laughs> i wouldn't go that far <laughs> anyway let's um let's uh let's get janine in huh yeah let's do that okay I, I, Hi Janine. Hi Janine. Welcome, welcome to the studio. Come in, come in, come in. I've um, I've kept the seat warm for you. Yeah, thank you. It feels warm. It, yeah, it does. It does. <laughs> Thanks for uh, taking the time to come and see us. Oh, let me just. So, say so I'll, I'll 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 say that I've only ever known you as JJ. And, and, and I will right. say I've only met you once before, but mm. but what a meeting! Of, because of our mutual friend Mick Chance. Mick Mick. Mick, As Mick. I call him Mick Mick. You call him Mick Mick. You don't call him Tricky Mickey? <laughs> no. Well, he always, he always refers to you as JJ. That's so. right. That's my nickname. So let's, let's... But you can call me JJ or Janine. I don't mind. Tell us a bit about your childhood. Like, where did you grow up? Mm. Did so you was... have a happy childhood? You know, like, just give us a quick, you know, one a qu- minute. A, a quick one minute. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Where do I... She's <laughs> from the UK. How dreary is that? Yeah, I was, I was born in the grey... Um, so I was born in the countryside just north of London in a little village called Stanbridge with uh, a lo- two local pubs because every village has to have at least two pubs and um, a church, a little primary school. So I grew up in a very quiet village yeah, up uh, until the age of can 11. You remember, can you remember the names of the pubs? Which one was your favourite? There was the Five Bells. The so five I, was, bells. I was born we'll opposite the Five Bells. You would like that pub. Do I look that's like a guy that beautiful. likes a pub? Yeah, you do actually. Yeah, I reckon you've spent a few, few. She, uh, she's only just few lost years. Uh, <laughs> yeah, a bit of time. Look, look I'm, I'm going to let a secret go. The other day we were having a meeting at George's warehouse, and it was around about eleven a.m. And George decided no, 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 no. to have a have a little nip of whiskey, just like in Mad Men. I said, Ooh. all you need is a little bed to have a little snooze after you've had your whiskey. Do you have any whiskey now? I mean, that's what you should do. The Shea Lounge. Having no, a chat. They should no. always bring out the whiskey. Well, I'm missing a Shea Lounge. And, uh, a Shea Lounge? What's a Shea Lounge? Shea's Lounge. Lounge. My French is atrocious, <laughs> but Shea Shea Lounge. Lounge too, Lounge too. Wee wee. You know, it's hilarious. I, I just asked him to say... Wee wee after the whiskey. I just asked him before, like, to say something in Greek. He's Greek. I know, and I was just thinking then, Greece is not that far away from France, so he could do a bit better. He's not even very good at Greek. That's the problem. Wow. No, no. But getting back to your story, enough about me. You grew up in a village. Dad went to work very early every morning because he sold shoes. So his nickname was Mick the Shoe, or uh, or they called him Fluffy because of his fluffy hair. 
So <laughs> make the shoe. Make the shoe. Make the shoe. Make that's, the shoe. So, that's so English, isn't it? Make yeah. So he was born and bred in Essex, so he's a bit of an Essex boy. Right, right, mm. okay. Did exactly. uh, brothers and sisters? Two older sisters. Right. So they're five years and seven years older. And so when did you come when did you move here? I got here sixteen years ago. Wow. Yeah, uh, two thousand and one. What 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 made you come? So I was working in North London in a technology company and it was all part of that e-commerce boom that time mm-hmm. and uh, we were having a great time and we were working and one floor was dedicated to the bar and the, the snooker tables like and everything else. So obviously the, the company wasn't making that much money but they thought they were and I was, <laughs> I was, I was uh, sort of early 20s driving a Saab convertible which was a company car. Wow. So we were living the life. It was, mm. it was great and then so obviously they weren't making much money but they were really good at spending it. Yeah, right. And uh, it was a German company and they came over and said, oh, I think we've overspent and uh, under-delivered and anybody want a redundancy? And at that time, there was a, a little guy, a little Maori guy working in the office and he kept talking about New Zealand and Australia and I thought, Where's, where is that? What does it look like? What's it like? And I thought, yeah, I'll take a redundancy. I'll go travelling. And put my hand up for it, got a bit of a payout and uh, set off to travel around the world. So it was only meant to be a year. And uh, I, I, when when I got the redundancy, I went over to his house and said, "Look, lovely knowing you, but I'm off. Um, <laughs> I'm going. I'm going to go travel around Asia. No, it was it was, but it was early days. So I was like, look, I'm I'm off. I'm going to go travelling around Asia and around the world. I want to go to Africa and and uh, Thailand and India. And he went, oh, that sounds good. Give me three months and I'll come with you. So then I moved into his house, wallpapered his house for something to do until we, <laughs> until we left. <laughs> I was like, what am I going to do for three months? So I learned how to wallpaper and I wallpapered his house because the previous tenant that had been in his house had grown masses amount of weeds. So there was tin floor <laughs> all over in the walls. So <laughs> I had to Great take wallpaper. all that down. <laughs> yeah. Foil. So I had to take the tin foil down and, and re-wallpaper <laughs> the walls. So that was a little project for a few months. And then we set off. But his... Yeah, he, uh, he basically came on one condition that we went to uh, Australia, and I thought about it because I met the guy at work, but um, it wasn't going to really be in my plan. But he said, "Look, I've got cousins here uh, in Australia, and I'd like to visit them." I went, "Okay, we'll we'll uh, make it around the world and go Asia, go Thailand, then we'll go to Namibia, and then we'll go back to the UK." And then we. Uh, Went to Asia and that was great. And then we got to Australia, got a four-wheel drive, put a mattress in the back and drove around <clears throat> Australia. Um, and then when, when we came back to Bondi, I thought, I don't want to go back to the UK. So the next leg was going to Namibia. And I said, you know, I'm going to stay. So Jason went back to the UK. I stayed and that time I was sleeping on the the floor of his cousin's flat in Bondi, making friends with cockroaches and nice. things like that. Nice. nice. It was class all the way. <laughs> it was class. And then I got a, a job as a um, marketing manager for an educational company. I was, I was working there. And then I got an email from a guy that I'd sent an application to about a year before to work on his farm out west because he had a, a big backpacking horse riding business. He had like 45 horses wow. out there. And, and I applied to work out work on, with horses out there. 
Um, and I didn't hear anything back a year before because he was going through the global financial crisis and it had affected him quite badly. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was losing his business at that time. So a year on, he'd moved into his brother's farm. He'd got a few horses. Um, and uh, he was managing the farm and he wanted some backpackers to come out and uh, help him with the farm. So I'm assuming you're, you're good with horses. <laughs> you're a, I'm about, okay. You're I love horse them. Whisperer, are you? I wouldn't call myself that, no. No, definitely not. But growing up in England, in the country, yeah, yeah. you got to ride horses. Got right, yes. Right, yeah, okay. yeah. So, so I have a passion for horses. But you knew more about horses than most people. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Right. Probably more than you, maybe, I'm guessing. Possibly. Maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. Who knows? George knows a lot about goats. I love goats. And the world's favourite. So does George. I really love goats. And the world's favourite, donkeys. I love donkeys. My dad won a donkey once in a bet. At the pub. Well, make the, make the, the shoe. shoe. Make the, the shoe, shoe. won a donkey. He did. He did. Oh, at the mate. local pub. How, how do you win a donkey? I don't know. I think he's playing cards or a bet, but he came home with a donkey what one a day from the pub. thing to put down. It was in the back bed. garden. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Maybe we should interview Mick the Shoe. <laughs> Is Mick the Shoe still alive? No, no. no. He passed uh-huh. away when I was 15. Mm. That's a shame. Yeah, he was funny. I think he he partied too hard. I, I think that's, that he was a bit of a character. He was, he, yeah. Well, I think all market traders are because he he worked in the market for forty forty odd years. Right. He had a market stall, so it went from being an outdoor market right through to becoming an indoor market, a bit like wow. Paddy's market. So, yep. and he was where he sold his shoes was opposite where all the fruit and veg guys <clears> were. <throat> so they would just laugh and joke all day and throw fruit at each other. So at the end of every day, there was a big fruit and veg fight. And now, a word from our sponsors. This is about the 400th take, listeners. <laughs> this is our, uh, this is our um, for a male sponsor, Mungrel Joes. Yes, Mungrel Joes. So, hey, Brett, what keeps you going? I'm not sure what you're implying. I don't like where your mind's going with this one, Brett, but uh, without getting personal, there are many times I need a hit, and not from a bus. What keeps me going is a steaming hot cup of coffee, and not just any coffee. Ah, you must be talking about Mungrel Joe's. Yeah, our proud sponsor. Yes, that deep, rich, tasty and fulfilling coffee that perks you up, puts lead in your pencil, makes you glisten, and puts hairs on your chest. But what does it do for men? Boom, boom. (laughs) It brings out the mongrel in you. God, seriously, folks. Seriously, folks. Mungrel Joe's. That's my line. No, That's your line. Mungrel Joe's is the best taste experience ever. It's 100% Australian. And not only is it a performance coffee, it's strong and smooth. Like me, of course, George. It's the greatest coffee on earth. The world's greatest coffee. Is it really? <laughs> yes, it is. Jump online at mungreljoes.com.au and give it a shot. Excuse the pun. No. No, no, you didn't have to say that. Well, it's you printed it on the page. You're George. on, you're on fire, Brent. I am on. We fire. could have scratched that out. And just for our listeners to put, put it, put in a discount code, float your boat, and you will get a special discount on your first order. Remember that it's float your boat. One word. If you love coffee, you should try Mungle Joe's. I'm telling you, folks. Aside from this great script that George wrote. <laughs> and it was so obvious you were reading it. <laughs> yes, George, it was. <laughs> anyway, listeners, Mungrel Joe's, it's, it's the best. 
Well, he's he sounds like he grew up in Essex, right? Mm. And and mm. and he was a market stall owner, market selling, trader, market yeah. trader selling yeah. shoes, doing deals, a quintessential car boot salesman. Oh, we did car boots at weekends as well. Yeah, oh, yeah. Wow. I, he was good at doing deals. He was uh, the salesman of the century, I think, because in uh, where we grew up. Where he had the stall was in Luton, which is a... Oh, I know, Luton, where yeah, the airport is. Yeah, airport. Very big Indian community out there. Yeah. So he catered for Indian families. It was amazing. So I, I went out there. I said, right, I'll, ta- I'll take the job. I'll go out there. And I was expecting loads of other backpackers to be there. And I, I got got the uh, coach out to Cara. I got there about 10 at night. And I'm waiting there and no one's there to meet me. And this little old lady who had met on the bus, said, oh, you're going to have to stay at my house, dear. I went, oh, just wait a little bit longer. And then uh, round the corner came this Range Rover that was held together with horse ropes and things like that. And I got out the car with a big mushroom haircut and a jumper with holes in it and a, a dog that had dreadlocks. I thought, oh, no, you're going <laughs> to be serious. Your dream came true. Dream came true. And got in the car, went back to went back to the farm and... It was just full of all these little rabbits jumping out of the way of the headlights and got to the farm. It was all very dark and the fire was on and it was red wine and pizza. And and uh, fast forward, <laughs> fast forward a few years and we were married. Oh. Yeah. Oh, you mean the guy with the whole yeah, the yeah. in his jumper? Yeah, the whole, holy man. Him? Yeah, I married the holy man. That's about as holy as you got. <laughs> so, so you stayed on the farm for a few years, eh? Yeah, yeah, we got there and it was in the middle of a drought at that time. So it was pretty harsh out there and the cattle uh, was struggling. So um, we took the cattle on the road and we ended up driving and taking them out near Warren. And So we were So what was it awful. like sleeping under the stars and, and uh, driving? Amazing. I mean, that's that's Amazing. really old school. Yeah, it is, yeah. And very few Australians could say they've done that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was mainly... The crew that went out were mainly Irish because you get the Irish farmers come out and they they were pretty tough. You know, they'd oh, go out. Mad. They would, you know, be running around shooting kangaroos and skinning them and, As I said, and mad. cooking them and things like that. You're like, oh. Um, and then you had the Australians singing Walsy Matilda, uh, the, the old school ones. Because um, they couldn't remember any other song? Yeah, well, I think so. I think that seemed to be the way. <laughs> Um, and they, they, um, yeah, they had a couple of Japanese that came out. That was hilarious. Well, how did they get Because they, they can't ride. Oh, they can't ride. Yeah, I just remember. <laughs> I just well, remember. They, they walked everywhere, did they? <laughs> they, were, they were, well, were they'd they? get on the horse and the horse would just take <laughs> off and you'd see them gallop off on the horse and see them just fall off and flop <laughs> on the ground. <laughs> were, they, were they leftovers from the cow of breakout? <laughs> <laughs> you were collecting them as you, were, as you, as you went through. Picking them up. Picking them up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Way through. And off they go. But... My question, my question was, I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, yeah, obviously, you know, grew up in England, lots mm. of people around. I, I don't think there's any spot in England where you can't spy another person. So there's nowhere to go and hide. And here you were in the middle of nowhere, under the stars, droving in Australia. Mm. Were you happy? Oh, oh, blissfully happy. Yeah. I mean, challenged, really challenged. You're very much in the moment when you're out in the bush and you're doing something like that. You know, you can't think of, you don't think about anything else. The world's disappeared. You're just where you are at that moment, which is quite beautiful. You know? uh, and all you have to focus on is whether, you know, making sure the cows are not running off and, mm. and got to rein them in. 
Well, how did you make sure that the cows didn't run off? I mean, there weren't any fences or any, like... Uh, well, there are, there's, there's, there's droving pathways that you have to take. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. Know that. But how do you... F- so that's pretty well set up for drovers, really. Right. Um, and then when you camp out overnight, you, have, you put an electric fence around them. You herd them oh, in, into a big... fence. Big circle. Yeah. yeah. And then you just put an electric fence around them for the night. Right. Mm. Okay. So that's like putting them well, to that's bed. That's something I've never knew. So they actually set up a fence every night they stop? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it yeah, doesn't take long. Right. Generally, you'd have the guys that were driving the truck to the next stop. So you'd have some on horseback and some. Oh, uh, right. So we actually, we were out with his dad. His dad was in the, um, the ute with his partner. So they would drive off to town and get more, more food. His partner was his, uh, his dad was in his 70s. Right. And his girlfriend was the same age as me at the time. Lucky bastard. <laughs> I know. She'd come from Denmark and they ended up getting married and having a child. Wow. Yeah, so he had a one-year-old when he was in his 80s. That's what I love about the Danes. Really? Yeah. Fantastic. That's what I love about Oh, look at that. I'm what do you think? That's what Frank's, I love about the Danes. They're not ageist, right? Hmm? Obviously the Danes are not ageist. <laughs> no, they're not. No. Well, obviously not. So no. how did you go, by the way? Like, I mean, did you fall pregnant on the on the on the trip? On did you? Like, did you? No, I didn't. No, no, no I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> no one fell pregnant on the trip. <laughs> it wasn't one of those sort of parties, yeah, George. Yeah, no, no, it wasn't. You're out in the wild, you know, fresh air, lots of lots of good food. Well, kind of, and um, you lots know, of uh, sausages. That really gets you in the mood, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, and then uh, you know, going for a poo and digging a hole. Because obviously there's no toilets or anything. So how? Oh, do, it's so actually, that's a good question. So how do you deal <laughs> with that as question. a woman? Yeah. With a whole bunch of blokes. Yeah. Trying to mm. go to the toilet. Well, well you like, just find a tree and you, off you go with your spade. No, no, I, no. I'm interested because I just, I just listened to. <laughs> George is on a roll today. I'm going to have to. It'll take me like kind 14 hours to edit all this George jokes today. Oh. Oh, Calm okay. down. He's all excited today. He said to me this morning. I'm here. He yeah. said to me this morning yeah, over in the cafe. He said, "I'm I'm in such a good mood today." And I thought, "Oh, oh no. I love it." <laughs> oh. It's because I read Janine's bio. Yeah, I'm that's it. No, the reason I'm interested is I just I just listened to another podcast about a woman that walked across the the Sahara Desert. Oh, I haven't done that. Damn it. No, but but still, like <laughs> she like I like the, one of the questions was. She's with these, um, I, I, one of a better term, Sherpas. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, And yeah. she's got camels. Yeah. And she's in the desert. Mm. Well, how did she go to the toilet? Mm. And she said that the men were really respectful, mm. um, the Sherpas, and they would just walk ahead. Mm. And she would just stop and drop to the ground and go to the toilet. And they mm. would never look around. And, mm. and then she'd have to catch up. Mm. And I thought, wow. So uh, it's just uh, George it's, brought it up. So then it's I kind thought, of oh. yeah. You just I mean, if you're actually on the road and you're going, you just you just take your horse off and nip behind a tree, yeah. and mm. off you go and get back on. Yeah, yeah. And people would do rounds of going back home to the farms. Like mm. we would go, um, we would jump in the, the the truck and we would drive back to the farm because we might need to pick up another horse. Well, how far was the drive? I mean, I, I'm assuming... It might be... You know, they might have only... You don't dro- drove that far every day. You just take the cattle because you're feeding them, right? Yeah. So you're just taking them to the next lot of feed. Oh. So you might only... You could go 10 k's in a day. You might not go that far. Right. Mm. 
So you can just jump in the ute and drive straight back. You could drive back, you know. Pick up what you need. Yeah, so we'd pick up fresh horses because some of the horses would get tired or we'd get a horse that hasn't been broken in and Mm. then we'd we'd take it out droving. So you take a horse out droving for six months, it turns into the perfect horse after that and you can sell it for good money. So there there is other ways you earn your money, not just from the cattle, but also from the sales of horses that you've broken in and um, made them rideable. Right. Yeah. So, so you, you fell in love, you got married, mm. you mm. moved from the farm, or did you stay? We stayed there? at the farm for a while. So you had, and then mm-hmm. you got pregnant, I take it, somewhere down the track, or was that? After the house burnt down, yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> okay, let's back up. Okay, explain that a bit. Was it intentional? <laughs> no. Or was it? What a... had happened, we moved from the farm to the Blue Mountains and thought, well, we set up a horse riding business there so my ex is a horse whisperer he's great with horses uh, very talented in that space but slightly bonkers mm. <laughs> be the word <laughs> so we decided to move up to the Blue Mountains and start teaching um, with horses up there and then it came a point in time and I, I that was a very hard business to run so I was working in Sydney during the week an investment company uh, running their call centre there and going back at the weekend so I could feed the horses. We needed to pay for the feed. So he was running the business. Um, and anyway, we were, and uh, we, we had this property up there that we were leasing and, uh, and things were pretty rocky between him and I at that time anyway. We were sort of drifting apart. Um, and then we decided to go to Christmas at his sister's, which is on a farm. And we were on our, our way there and we got the phone call saying, oh, we've got some good news and some bad news. I went, oh, what's the uh, bad news? Oh, your house has been struck by lightning and it's burnt down. <laughs> I went, oh, 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 what's the good news? Oh, you've got a ladder and a lead rope. That's all that's left, but maybe you want to use that. <laughs> maybe you want to use that. There was a Bible in the midst of it all. and uh, It survived? Well, pages of it did, which was weird. Of course so when it we... did, George. It's the Bible. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> so some of a horror movie. We went and looked around. The cat got struck. By the... I, think the... I think the lightning was getting the cat. And I... oh, that was a blessing. That was a horrendous cat. It used to swipe the back of your head if you're watching telly. Oh, yeah, right. It was an evil cat, and I think it brought the lightning. <laughs> I think it attracted it. It was an attractor. Yeah, yeah right. it was, yeah. So the cat went. And the, <laughs> there was a few pages of the Bible. And then one of them, I found one page and it was from Job. And I thought, oh, I'll keep that. So I've got that framed. Yeah, that's my only part of the Bible I've got left. It doesn't say anything prophetic, does it, that relates back to <laughs> you know, your house burning down? <laughs> <laughs> So, oh, so oh, house burnt down. House burnt down. So you, so you decided to get pregnant. <laughs> well, no, what happened was we'd, I was working in Sydney, so I said, oh, okay, well, maybe we need to find a place here. But we need to find somewhere really quick. Um, and uh, we knew someone who had a sort of a yeah, Hunter's Hill, like a boarding house, but it was a very nice one. So yeah. it was... Uh, took overseas students and things like that. So we went and stayed at Fran's house and we had a room with two single beds because we weren't really together at that time. We were sort of separated in our relationship. Right. Um, and then we did the really smart thing of getting pregnant there. Right. 
<laughs> that was genius. Hoping another one of those cases genius of hoping moves. to save the relationship by let's fall pregnant. <laughs> let's have a child. Uh, <laughs> I right, hope so. that wasn't the case. <clears throat> it was. <laughs> so oh, brilliant. 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 It was genius. So Another genius move. Plan. <laughs> so I take I take it that at mm. that point. So did you separate right then or did you wait until you had the baby and no 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 so we we thought we'd give it another go and we got a flat at Balmoral Beach and that was all oh, lovely all lovely and mm. for a while and and then uh and then yeah then I suppose it would have took I don't know when, when my daughter was about three we separate yeah we split right. up then yeah yeah which okay. was good so it's very amicable and so oh. are we going to fast forward to so the business was born out of uh, out of being a single mother, I would most definitely. But, but let's yeah. let's let's uh, let's replay. Uh, let's pause and just just yeah. uh, set the frame of how you mm. were at the time. So you were without a job. No, I was I was working. You were working, but no, you fell pregnant. You had your baby. Mm. Did you lose your job? I did when I was pregnant, actually. Right. Yeah, about seven months. Right, and you had to look for another job when you decided to go back to work, back into the mm. workplace. So yeah. when when I was pregnant with seven months, there's no chance of me getting a job at seven months pregnant. Mm. So at that time, my partner, he was working. I, um, I'd given him a job at the company I was working for. So he was working for me at that time. Right. I got fired, and then he found another job in the same industry, which was working in investment property. Right. So that was good. So I actually took some time off, which was great. Because there was no choice at that time. Um, and then I had a, about a year off. And then I started my first business at that time, which was to do with millinery and handbags, making them, wow. using Australian artisans and craftsmen. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were full of holes. <laughs> That's right. And cost too much. <laughs> so that didn't work. Um, Stitching came apart, did it? Yeah. <laughs> so you got stitched up. Got stitched up. Got totally stitched up with that one. Um, and then when we split up, when I, uh, my daughter was three, I then started doing sort of contract work and things like that. And then a, a, a friend, a mutual friend of ours, ran a music festival, which is Pete's Ridge Festival. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I got talking to him, and he said, "Oh, I've got real trouble with sponsorship." Um, I don't know what to do about sponsor, getting sponsorship for the festival. Um, I need someone in sponsorship. I said, well, I can do that. I'll do that. Yeah, indeed. And we had a, a, a struggle between which demographic are we attracting. So it started off as an arts and music festival, which was uh, designed for sort of people in their 30s, 40s, 50s that have children that can come along and have a great time. And then those people weren't booking enough tickets and then so then you're attracting the younger demographic and they're coming through and they've got a whole different energy they carry with them and they're a bit trashy you know Mm. and you don't feel as safe as you did before and Mm. you know so there's a real mix of demographic towards the end and then it'd be hard to get the right the right right music for them yeah Yeah. because you know all the older lot are wanting certain types of music on and the younger lot wanting a different type and you know it's very hard to keep everyone happy yeah, and the amount of work that goes on putting something like that together was just phenomenal. But it was great fun. So I'm, I, I got sponsors like um, Absinthe, Green Fairy Absinthe, and so then we'd have to design a whole cocktail bar and we'd have all these artists in to do different installations and we'd have green fairies, male green fairies running around and promoting the 
<laughs> promoted the um, alcohol and things like that. So we design installations around the sponsors that we got, so from creating massive bamboo pirate ships to having green fairies run around and all sorts of things. So, um, you know, we had Virgin Mobile and they put art installations of um, crazy women with mobile phones attached to coming out of their heads and things like that. It was really... <laughs> It got quite out there. Yeah, right. So then that. So mm. then you left there. Before yeah. That, before it. Before yeah. Before its boat sunk. Yeah, yeah. It's very hard to work in a music festival and have a be a single mother because you're quite torn because the the music scene is, you know, a lot of partying, a lot of fun, and then you know you've got to get up in the morning. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> that was really hard. But when you thought of. Mm getting your career back on track what mm. was your career in your head what was what did you want to do yeah that's a very hard one uh, at that time because back in the UK I was involved in technology mm. um, and then coming to Australia I, I let that go and I think that would have been a stronger career to be honest um, and then after the music festival I thought well I want to do I always want to do something with purpose and meaning that makes a difference and makes a change um, so I was just looking for companies that were doing that, and I found a company called EnviroBank, which uh, had these recycling machines. So you put your empty can or bottle in the machine, and it crushes it and gives you rewards. And they are out at universities and things like that. And I thought, well, that's a company that's on a mission to make a difference. And the whole idea of that organisation is to uh, show, uh, stop the amount of rubbish on the streets, encourage kids to recycle, um, and also promote cash for containers like that's in uh, South Australia. So it's, it's about change, changing the mindset and seeing uh, rubbish as something valuable. So I joined that company as uh, head of business development and worked there for a while. Wow. Was it challenging? Oh, it was fun. It was good. Fun? Yeah, it was fun. Like we'd, we'd take the machines and... We took the machines out to Red Bull events and things like that. And that was the catalyst to start 100 Bumps. I was working for this tosspot in um, Crow's Nest. And uh, <laughs> he knew my situation. He knew I had to work nine to five. Um, and then he used to do things like, oh, I need a night. I need a, a meeting. I said, when? Oh, I'll let you know later. And then during the day, I go, when? And he go, I'll let you know later. And then got to five. I've got to go now. He goes, no, I want a meeting with you now. I went, I've got to pick up my daughter from aftercare at six in Annandale. Um, I have to leave. And and he just uh, have a little go at me and say, oh, you're too inflexible. So, um, yeah, so a few days of leaving in tears from, from that and go, well, you know, getting to my daughter late at aftercare because there's no one else to pick her up. Um, and then being threatened with docs for being late because I'm picking up my daughter late. And yeah, they're, they're, pretty, like, oh, just... they're pretty strict. I remember being yeah. late once to yeah. um, aftercare. I, I got there at 10 past six, and apparently yeah. there's some kind of rule in place that uh, for every minute after six o'clock you get charged like a shitload of money. Yeah, and, you do, and, yeah. And, and, and if you make it a habit, they report mm. you. That's Is right. That right. Yeah. 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 yeah they'll they they'll phone. You. They'll report you to docs. And they they actually mm. told me that if I did it one more time, and I thought I thought she was the 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 lady who ran the aftercare was being unreasonable because I I was late once mm. in all the time I was going there to pick up my little one late once. She said if you do it one more time, I'll have to report you. I said, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Very strange, right? So you couldn't have felt good about that, like, and and and, and I suppose it challenged your your value system as a, as a mum, yeah? Yeah, most definitely, because you want to be there for your children. So the, the worst was you're not meeting expectations at work um, because you want, you know, if, if I didn't have children, I would work late. 
definitely mm. I would have been working late to try and please my boss and you know yeah. make him happy um, so therefore you're not you're not feeling good enough at work and then you're going back to the aftercare the woman at aftercare is having a go at you and then your daughter's standing there being the last one there and you're not you feel like you're not being a good mum so all mm. of that put together causes stress and then it starts to affect your health so I started to have panic attacks and things like that yeah. Um, and it started to affect my health so much so that my heart actually rewired itself and I started having a topic heartbeats. So my heart was beating from the wrong, from up to down and sort of down from up and things like that. All from stress? Yeah. Wow. So, so, yeah. That was, <clears throat> so I take it that was a low point? A massive low po- point, yeah. So I had to go to the cardiologist and I remember going to the cardiologist going, oh, you know, I after having tests and go, oh, there's something wrong with your heart, freaking out. Mm. And I couldn't leave the house for a couple of weeks, going, this is just terrible. Um, so yeah, that was a massive. Off. Yeah, I took time off, lost my job. Oh, yeah. That was the result of taking time off because yeah. you, were, you, you had stress related il- uh, yeah. illnesses. Yeah. Wow. Mm. That must have been an even lower point. Yeah, it got lower. Yeah, it got lower. And then I went to the government, obviously, because I needed some money. Um, and I had to sign on. Um, in the UK, we call it the dole. But, uh, yeah, we call so, it the dole. Yeah, the dole. Went to the dole office. Unemployment benefits. Yeah, think, unemployment yeah. benefits, which just doesn't even pay your rent. So it's like, well, this is great. I'm getting into tons of debt. And um, the doctor's going, well, you need to, you know, relax and be, these, you know, not stress about things. And I'm like, well, okay, I can't afford to live. I can't afford to pay my rent. Uh, my health's falling apart. There's something wrong with my heart. And I've got to look after a little girl. And I'm a sole parent. Um, so all of that together was all a bit of a nightmare. So where's the horse whisperer? He's he was off somewhere or other. He was um, off whispering his, somewhere off his trolley. <laughs> well, he came to the city, and that wasn't good for him. Right, he mm. was off. Bright lights, big city, and mm. yeah. So he's unable to help you. At that he was point. unable. Okay. He was incapable of himself. Right. Yeah. Right. So single mum, mm. unemployed, mm. Yeah. heart problem. Yeah. Panic attacks. Yeah. Daughter that's Wasn't probably good. pissed off with you because you're getting turning up late. To yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. It's all... I, I so guess it's... at that point you must have had some kind of epiphany or was, aha it was, Yeah, there was, was that moment. So um, I started going to a psychologist. Um, luckily, Medicare give you six sessions with a, um, a psychologist if you're if you're struggling. So that was amazing. So I started going to this woman, and the first day I was there, I just had my head between my knees not being able to breathe because I didn't want to be out of the house. And um, that was the first day. And by this, and as the weeks went past, I got, you know, I got better and better quite quickly. And I met with a friend of mine. He was uh, one of the directors of a communications company called Ogilvy at that time, oh, yeah. Stephen Hale. And I met with him uh, over breakfast. And I said, this is ridiculous. You know, there's so many other women in my position um, and they must be struggling like I am. And someone's got to do something about it. And he says, will you do something about it? I said, I can't. I don't don't know what to do. And he says, I'll help you. I'll mentor you. He goes, you start the business. We'll think about it. Um, um, And uh, I'll give you a couple of hours every week for free. Just come in to the office and we'll spend a couple of hours together. What a great offer. Yeah, what a great guy. What a great bloke. Mm. Now, yeah. you, you, obviously, you obviously took him up on the offer and, and uh, tell us how that panned out. Yeah, so he's one of the directors of 100 Mums. He's got a, a small share in the business. That was his payment. Um, and um, we started meeting and we'd, we'd look at, okay, we've obviously there's a lot of women 
highly talented that are dropping out the workforce and there's companies on the other end of the spectrum going, well, actually, we need more women in our workforce and we're missing that expertise. Mm. So it was all about, well, how do we match those companies up with these women and provide flexible work options? So that's how it started at the beginning. So, um, yeah, we started that. And then a friend of mine, Mick Mick, he, he lent me $200 to build a website at that time. <laughs> so that paid for the website. And then all of a sudden I had a business. Right. But um, but how did you come up with the name a hundred mums? Was the was the mm. idea that you were going to get at least a hundred mums involved it in was. the business? Yeah. Well, I had a dream. I'm assuming uh, you. Yeah. I yeah. sort of woke up in the morning and oh, a hundred mums, and that's how it sort of started. I went, that'll do for a for a name. Well, I'm assuming you're past a hundred. Yeah, we've got over five thousand in the network <laughs> now. So. <laughs> so you should aim a little bit higher. Call it ten thousand mums. A million, yeah, a million, a million mums. mums. Yeah, well, there's another business called A Million Women, which is all about saving the planet. Right. So, uh, which is an amazing business. Um, so maybe I was dreaming about Natalie and her business, and then thought about hundred mums. Is a million um, mums? Is that the one with the bags that I? That, one million women. One million by women. Natalie, um, yeah. where you make a pledge about uh, what you can do to help save the planet, basically. And, uh, reduce your waste and things like that. So I think they're up to, I don't know, I think they must have over half a million women involved in that. Wow. Because I feel I know you, I'm going to call you mm. JJ. So yeah, JJ, nice. um, how, how how does the organisation um, make its money then? Like, I mean, how, is it like an employment agency? Is yeah, pretty much, yeah, right, yeah. Okay, so you broker, you broker deals between mm. companies and individuals and you just match them up. Yeah, so we partner with companies that want to increase gender balance in their organisation that have the right policies and support to support women throughout their career life cycle. So we actually form a strategic partnership with them. We then look at their business and where they're lacking in female representation and then we work to build them talent pools in those areas. And then on the flip side, we then work with the resource pool that we have to put them into those roles that we help create and that's how it works. So, Because it's one thing building up a resource pool of 5,000 women, but yeah. then if you don't have any roles for them, then you well, don't have a business. Well, so. that was going to be my next question. I mean, 5,000 women mm. from d- disp- disparate uh, backgrounds, like mm. how do you categorise them? Like did you, you have politicians, you have marketing people, you have... Yeah. Is that yeah. what well, you have... group them? And, or uh, you yeah, pretty much. Or you look for them once a company calls you up and says, I have need for a... I know, communications officer, mm. and you go out looking for them? Is that how so it works? So we define our, our demographic of the women is highly skilled. So they've had at least 10 years' experience working for the big brands. Um, they're usually degree educated or have that equivalent. Mm-hmm. Um, so that then puts us in the professional area, if you like. So when we work with corporates, we can work over finance, procurement, comms, engineering, project management those type of areas so operations so we generally work at those levels i imagine you've come across some uh, awesome women unbelievably awesome women yeah any good stories uh i hear really inspiring stories a lot yeah um would you like to share one or two Oh, yeah, yeah. I hear of women coming over. It was only two nights ago we set up with the Sydney Business Chamber an event called Women in the CBD mm-hmm. to support other women in the CBD. Um, so we launched that on Tuesday night. We had over 40 women come along. We had, like, wine and canapes and speakers from all different walks of life. And, and it was just – it showed that there's a real appetite to support each other um, with what we're doing. And we're really grateful to have um, – 
the new Sydney Business Chamber, which is a CBD business chamber, which only started last year. They're supporting the initiative as well. We're partnering with them on that. Um, And there was a lady there. Um, She's uh, a CFO, Chief Financial Officer for a, 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 um, a lawyer's. And she came over from Poland, basically pretty much as a refugee. Um, right. She came over, she'd met an Australian guy, and she was highly qualified in Poland, but her her um, qualifications aren't recognised here so much. So that's a problem you get. And um, at the time, she said, look, her mother-in-law said, just get a job in Woolies Stack Shelves. <laughs> and she said something, which I probably can't say online. Hey, oh, you can. I said, oh, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you, I'm not doing that. Who do you think I am? I'm a highly qualified woman. You know, I'm not doing that. Who do you think, you know, who do you think you're talking to, you know? And, uh, and she went out and she said, I'm not, I'm not going to stack shelves for anybody. Who the hell do you think I am, you know? And she went out and um, worked her butt off and got her qualifications recognised here and, and started from the ground up. And she said, look, there's so much opportunity in Australia. She's saying, you know, she's amazed that if you can't make it in Australia, you can't make it anywhere. She says, this, this land is so full of opportunity. That's how she sees it. Mm. And she goes, I've paid my way and I've worked my ass off and I've got to a really um, a high level now. Um, she works for a great lawyers um, yeah. that when she, she's just recently had a baby and she's now doing three days a week and she's still got a senior role. Um, and she's, and she's done really well. So you hear these, these great stories. Uh, another lady that I work with, worked with, um, she got a role as a GM in a uh, massive organisation here, and she'd come over from Turkey. Uh, she was a qualified engineer, came over here. Um, she was responsible for putting the 4G network into Optus. Mm-hmm. So at the time, Optus, she was like, oh, I think we need to go to 4G. And they go, well, we don't don't really know whether that's the right way to go. And she set up a whole test site at a university, proved that it was uh, really viable and it's the way they should go. And that 4G came in through Optus. And so she's done amazing things. So she's been responsible for putting cabling all around the world and wow. all sorts of stuff. So, yeah. so Fantastic. And she's, she's another um, – she's a single mum with a, a little girl um, and uh, she's working as a GM. So, but you know, you meet her, and she's so such a beautiful, humble woman. Mm. You know, she just works works her butt off. She doesn't get involved in any company politics, and you know, and there's and you know, I heard from the CEO going, "I just absolutely love her. What she's doing in this organisation is amazing." You know? Wow, that's fantastic! So they're good stories. They're good stories, mm. yeah. But I think it's now time that we focus on really helping women that are really struggling. That's, that's what my mission is. Um, so yeah. well, speaking of mission, let's, let's mm. take a step back a little bit. What's the vision that you have for, for the business? What it, what, where is this all going? Mm. Well, I think as you, you started off at the beginning saying harness the power of women. Mm. And, and what was it? Yeah. You said uh, harness, harness the, power the power of women, women yeah. but harness women of power. Exactly. So now it's time to do that. So... Um, I'm going to use that as uh, my next strategy, I think. I'll send you the invoice in the mail. (laughs) So you want to try and get politicians and uh, people in in, in those roles that have got some sway in the the industry? Well, now we've got some credibility and we've we've worked to place some great women um, into some very powerful roles. We can now really start to affect change with women that maybe have been out of the workforce for a very long time or maybe women that have never worked 
maybe they've been in a marriage which has been very abusive and mm. um, they suffer a lot of domestic, domestic violence and they don't have any super and, you know, so the, the world's, 75% of the world's poverty is with women. So these are women and this is in Australia as well. So women that have been in these relationships and they've come out and they've got, they haven't worked so they don't have any super, they've got nothing. So my, I suppose my mission is to help women like that, that are really in need and get them into the workforce. So now we're looking at partnering with TAFE um, and large business to actually train those women up into certain professions and give them roles. So our our job now, um, so myself and Ta- uh, the guys at TAFE have partnered to, to offer that. So TAFE are going to be offering them free training, so free wow. qualifications for 100 mums. And then we just need that third component, which is a private business that will give them roles. So we'll look at people uh, that work in... Uh, so we'll be approaching companies in aged care, for example, or people that are contracting to government, whether that's cleaning and things like that, or, or certain different professions where they're looking at getting more women into construction because when women join construction teams, um, they lower risk on sites, they look after the tools better, um, they actually save the company a lot of money and they make the company a lot more money mm. it? and it makes it a, a safer environment. So I think if we can leverage... The power of powerful women, mm. <laughs> you know, with the power of women, with the harnessing the power of women for the powerful, with the powerful <clears throat> women, this could be a tongue twister. Um, we can make real change. So I think it's time to sort of get on that path. So I guess in our small way, we're trying to help you um, mm. promote your business. So mm. tell us how do people, how do women get in touch with you, or so, how does anybody get in yeah. touch with you? Well, I just really encourage any any women um, that either want to support 100 Mums in what we're doing, mm. uh, any women that are working for organisations that might have roles that would be good for uh, a good environment for women to work in, uh, or any women that are looking to get back into the workforce or are looking for a new new job, to get in contact via the website, sign up to the newsletter on the website, or go to the Contact Us page. My number's on there. Call me on my mobile, email me, or... Switch, you, yeah. 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 So it's get in contact, yeah. so communicate. It's .com.au? Yeah, it? it's www.100mums.com.au. That's great, isn't it, George? Mm. Are you happy? You're warm and fuzzy now? Yeah. I, I am. I mean, mean, you want to go back to the droving. He wants I'm to go also, back to the droving. Ah, oh, there's, that yeah. yeah. I'll, take that, so many I'll take that offline. But, but uh, you know, I also mm. want to say that uh, any companies that might be interested yeah. in facilitating the transition of women mm. into the workforce, mm. they should also contact you as Damn well. Right. They or, yeah. or they can contact us on our website. Yeah, they can. Well. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and we can always forward them on to you. Yeah, spread course. the word. Yeah. Spread the word. There's so much benefit for companies to engage these women in the workforce because they're highly qualified. Um, they've got the right attitude. Um, they, they'll be really loyal to the companies that they work for. Um, and also when you engage someone to work flexibly as a company owner, you also save a lot of money because you're, you're working with someone on a part-time basis rather than a full-time basis mm. as well. So you can get more headcount in the organisation, more brains. Mm. you know, helping you with your strategy and the way you're going forward. So it's a win-win for all. Which fortunately mm. leads into your song that you've chosen, It Must Be Loved by Madness. Yes. But I actually, before I came this morning, I listened to the original 
version of it, which is Labby Sifri's version yeah. of, yeah. of It Must Be Love, on because he, he did it on oh. the ukulele. Right? Oh, no so, way. Did he really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll play it to you after we finish. But, Great. Uh, and, and I can fortunately say that we've to, I've been fortunate enough to tour with Madness <gasps> on three different occasions. Wow, Were they that's amazing. actually mad? No, they're, no, they're just normal lads good english lads um and now they're old fellas like me so it, 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 it's quite odd oh, i love their videos so creative their so videos are amazing and mm. they write great great pop ska songs they um, do yeah and if you're a purist mu- lover of ska music if you're out there listening um mm. all two prob- of them sorry it's probably not quite the specials <laughs> but uh, you know no like, I like, yeah specials there's are only two too. of them out there so, George has no idea about Scar. He has no idea that... Uh, you know, George, at the, what at do the you Jubilee... Listen to? At the Royal Jubilee, Madness played on on the roof of Buckingham Palace. That's how big Madness are. Mm. No way. They do. do you know they were and formed... They, played our house. they were formed in the year I was born. Is that right? Yeah. They've been around that long. That's why I chose it too. Is yeah. that right? 1976. Jeez, you're only a youngster. <laughs> well, how old are these blokes? Oh, 50, in their 50, mid-50s. Right, okay. They'd be my, same, similar age to me, I guess. Yeah. Maybe a little bit older, a couple yeah, of years old. Yeah, I think so. I heard they're getting a bit old, and the show's not as good, so... And Chaz isn't in the band. And, mm. you know. But anyway, we're, I'm going to have to probably cut all this out, but mm. JJ, thanks for coming in. Thanks, JJ. My pleasure. My and, pleasure, guys. And on Sunday at the mm. gig, can you try and educate George in in on dancing. music? Oh, yeah, yeah, dancing. I can do Yeah, I told you I was going to bring along a posse of women, and he said, don't mm. do it. They're not welcome. It's just you. Oh, really? Mm? Yeah. No. I, it's just, it's, George is being George. Okay. Okay. So on that note, here's that great Ta-da song. Now. It Must Be Love Woo-hoo. by Madness. Let's go. Hello. I'm here to warn you that in the video you're about to see, it is an extremely dangerous stunt, which I'd like none of you at home to try and copy. I never thought I'd miss you half as much as I do.
every night, every day. I know that it's you I need to take that blues away. Great song, great version, isn't it? Lovely, yeah. Okay, now you can tell us your story. Hmm. Come on. What? Your, your weirdest Oh, moment. the weird, oh, the weird, weird one. Moment. Oh, no, that was, the weird one was, um, when I, when we were up at the farm in the Blue Mountain and I was working here. Yeah. And my ex was smoking a bit too much pot. And what happened? <laughs> We've got, we've got like five grand from the property owner to do up the property for the horses and um, we're meant to be using it to do the fencing and improve the land and I've gone up there and said oh what have you done with the money <laughs> <laughs> he smoked it all <laughs> no what he'd done he said he'd built an alien landing pad with it <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's gold. That's gold. What did it look like? That's awful. You see, we were right on the ridge, we were on a cliff, and there was all these big, beautiful trees and big firs. And then there was a windbreaker. And it got it, it got in a it got in a tree lopper in and spent the money on this guy chopping down all these trees that are on the edge of the cliff. Beautiful old trees. And what it did. It created a massive wind tunnel, so it started blowing down the house. <laughs> so he didn't know where he was. And he, he, he went there, and him and his friend, another friend, they lied there all night waiting. For <laughs> <laughs> the aliens to yeah. come. Oh, yeah. They never came. <laughs> I was praying for the aliens to come. Take, take the fucker away. Oh, 